we all get stuck in what we should do or what we should have done. The word should can inspire us and it can inhibit us. It can get us moving and it can hold us back. Why is it so hard to move past complacency and get inspired to build the fulfilling future that we want? You are listening to Should Theory. Let's talk it out. Stories, interviews, and more to inform and inspire you towards building the future that you want. Get motivated, figure out how you want to shift, and then get your shift together. I'm Tara Grebe. Let's do this with the Should Theory. and welcome back to The Should Theory. It's Tara Grieve here, and I have Kate Thiem with me from Hive Mind Management. I'm really excited for you to hear her story. I do not want to give any of it away, so I'm going to get right into it. Kate, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Um, Kate, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it was, what place you were in that you felt complacent, that you felt stuck, and knew you needed a change. I was thinking a lot about this as I was preparing for today, and I thought, you know, I kind of have to go back several years because I I feel like this has been a multi-year journey for me to get to this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Originally went to school for vocal performance for music, Mm -hmm. Um, did my undergraduate, my graduate in in both voice performance, and I got to a point living in New York City which is where I had wanted to be for my entire life. I wanted to perform. I wanted to be on Broadway. I wanted to do all of that. And I was about a month and a half into my graduate work and something just didn't feel right. Hmm. And I have always been the kind of person where I just, I always would just, I would do the thing. You know, if you told me, okay, you have a soccer game. Okay. Let's go do the thing. Okay. (laughs) You have a voice lesson. Let's go do the thing. And I got to New York City living on my own, and it something wasn't feeling right. It always followed my passion. I always was very passionate about anything I committed to, but something just wasn't syncing with what I wanted to do. So I rerouted. I decided that after I finished my master's, I was going to come home and get my certification in music education so that mm-hmm. I could teach. I was missing my family quite a bit. I was really wanting to have you know, they, they tell you all about the performer's lifestyle and what you have to sacrifice to make that happen. And I was sitting there in my apartment going, I just want to have a house with an orange door and I can decorate it for, for <laughs> Halloween and I can decorate it for Christmas. And I was just thinking like, I want to have all these things that I don't think are going to be available if I were to continue here. Mm. So I made that hard choice. And that was one of the first times that that voice in your head goes, well, people are going to talk. If you come back from New York city, they're going to say, Oh my God, she didn't make it. Oh my God. She couldn't cut it. it." Mm -hmm. And that really kept me frozen for a couple of months because I thought, Oh my God, these, these people are all going to talk. But in the end, I, I just, I, I knew something was wrong and I had to make a change. So I came back, got certified to teach in music ed, because at that time, that's all I thought that I could do. I was already, I already had two degrees in music. What the heck else was I going to turn to? And long story short, I taught for 10 years. I taught for 10 years. I taught middle school music, choral music. I directed musicals. Mm -hmm. Um, I had concerts. I did all of that. And I want to say it was maybe three or four years into teaching that 
a little voice in my head. <laughs> it eventually becomes a bigger voice. Don't yeah. worry. Um, but the little voice goes, gosh, I'm really tired at the end of the day. I'm really worn out. I, I feel wiped. I don't like having to be on all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, even though I perform regularly in shows, it's different when you're in charge of 200 kids a day, all day. Um, I still really liked making music with them. I liked directing shows, but there was just a little voice in my head going, this doesn't feel right. But of course, what do you say to yourself? Oh no, this is a great job. It's a good salary. What is, why are you thinking this way? You should want to stay. You should want to be here. Yeah. And you know, I, I had my parents who were always very supportive, but you know, in my mind, you, if you have a job, you keep a job. Right. Um, I grew up in a household where my father was in and out of work um, sometimes for, for years at a time. And my mother was always the one who would work she was an x-ray technician mm-hmm. and then she would sometimes take on a second job um, to pick up where the money was low. And so in my mind, it wasn't this, it was always cut and dry, black and white. It was yes. always, my mom kept working. She never took a sick day in 48 years of work. You know, right. it was that commitment and I can't, I can't quit a job. That's what my dad did. My dad would quit jobs and I'm not going to be like my dad. Right. So there was that struggle that I would go through, but I, I pushed that voice aside and I kept teaching, but all of a sudden these little side projects came up. Mm -hmm. I decided I loved writing. I loved reading and writing. And I decided I want to have a blog so I can write. My mom was always saying, Oh, you're such a good writer. You should, you should write more. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do that just as a side thing, Mm -hmm. just something for fun. And that ended up turning into a podcast with my husband and it was so fulfilling. And I learned in that process so much about social media because we were promoting our own podcast. Right. And of course, in, in the way of, of side projects go, you end up becoming very busy with your main job and you have to let them go, even though they were very fulfilling. Yep. So that, that went to the wayside after a couple of years that, and we had a really great time with it. Um, but it, it, it eventually had to go. And I, I actually moved jobs. I moved to a new district. Mm -hmm. Um, at one point, I had applied for a college job that I thought was going to be the answer. I thought, maybe I'm just not happy with the middle school demographic. Maybe right. that's what it is. Maybe I meant to teach, you know, More older students. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. And there's this job came open in town that was on paper the perfect position for me. And I was just devastated when I was told that I wasn't going to get an interview because I didn't have my doctorate. So I have my master's degree, but I needed one more step to even get past the first process of elimination. You know, it's interesting. And I'm going to pause you right there for a second, because it's something that I've heard time and time again. And I think, um, you know, being in education myself, it's a, it's a problem that people fall into two, two things that you said that stand out to me. The first is I should be satisfied because I have this great job with great benefits, you know, a great nights and weekends off for lack of a better way to put it. Um, and I think that people get stuck worried about other people will think or say that you should be satisfied with it. And then the other problem that I find people in education have is that they either they feel or the general public feels that that skills don't transfer. Absolutely. You know, that, that people believe that if you're in education, you're of any type, music education, educational leadership, whatever, that it's too specialized. And in reality, 
think about it, you're a manager, you're a customer service person, you manage a budget. If you're, you know, leading a building or a department, um, you know, you have to be a creative, you have to be a manager of people. Um, the, the skills transfer so well, and yet it's so hard for people in education to switch to something else. So I, I, I hear all so of that. I was so stuck with that. Yeah, absolutely. hundred mm-hmm. percent. I, my, I remember talking to my mom, like maybe my fourth or fifth year of teaching. I think it was shortly after I applied for that college gig and didn't get it. Cause I was really, I thought I was going to be on the way to, to having a college position. And then when I didn't get it, it really like threw me off. Yeah. I really kind of had a moment of what am I going to do? And my mom kept saying, you may be teaching now, but you, you may, you, you don't have to do it forever. It, in my mind, you did. I, I reasoned it out saying, I only have a music degree. Right. What the heck else am I going to do? And I started looking for jobs on the side and I kept getting frustrated because it kept saying, must have a, a bachelor's in marketing, must have right. this. And I'm going, I don't have that. They're not even going to give me a second look. So yeah. I struggled with that for a while, but I think by my, my, definitely by my fifth year of teaching, I was, I, I knew in the back of my mind, I wasn't happy, but I wasn't able to verbalize it yet. Right. I didn't want to. I mean, it's really hard when someone says, how's your job going to say, oh, I'm miserable. I hate it. Yeah. Let me tell you all about how this sucks. I teach our, our teach our future and I can't stand it. (laughs) No, I hear you. Right. How dare we say that? Because there were good parts of the job. Yeah. You know, when I had kids that were so into it, they mm-hmm. they made the job rewarding and they made the job fun. But when you have kids that are just there because they have to be, right. the apathy drove me crazy. And I would leave every day just thinking, well, I've just got to get through three more days than the weekend. I've just got to get through two yeah. more days than the weekend. So I switched jobs thinking this will be a good fresh start. Mm-hmm. New district. And, and for about a year, I, I truly believe that. <laughs> and then... My, um, my second year went off without really much of a hitch, but I, I clearly remember being in the parking lot before summer vacation that year and having a conversation with my husband about how unhappy I was mm-hmm. and what was I going to do. And he encouraged me at that point to go into therapy because he had been seeing a therapist and had really enjoyed the process, but mm-hmm. I was really like, I fought him on it for a long time. And right. I, in hindsight, I wish I would have listened sooner because it took me a whole nother year mm. to get into a therapist. But mm-hmm. that next year was COVID. That next year was 2020. Got it. And as we all know, that Nothing was happened. the most <laughs> unusual year of our lives. That's right. And and it it was March and I was still I was still feeling very much like I I don't think I can do this rest of my life, but mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. So I had started to get some books on writing. I had started to actually write. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the process. Nobody knows this. I was in the process of writing a fantasy novel. Awesome. I had, I had all that planned. And then all of a sudden COVID hit and sure. we were sent, we were sent home as, as most schools were yeah. um, from March through the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden here I am, this person who is unhappy with the job and is given a copious amount of free time. So unlike most people, I was overjoyed. I was relieved. Right. I could finally take a step back and kind of reevaluate everything with enough space and time to do so. Mm-hmm. Because you're always on this weekend mentality of, yeah. oh, I've only got two days to recoup and then I've got to go back and do it all over again. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it was, well, you've got 
seven days and then seven more days and then seven more days. Yeah. And all the busyness stopped. You know, when I think when you're a teacher, especially a music teacher, yeah, you always have a ton going on outside of the school day. And if you're a musician, you're also doing your own thing on sure. the side as well. I mean, I, I do music for a church. Um, mm-hmm. I, I try to perform as much as I can with local theaters. Yeah. So all of a sudden, everything that was causing stress for me was non-existent. Right. So I had the space to kind of go, okay, I needed this break more than I knew. And so I would, I developed this routine during quarantine of, of dealing with schoolwork because we, back then, back when it first started, nobody knew what to do. Sure. They were scrambling. They were, they were sending us new information every week. Every day. Yeah. Um, every day was something different. You know, this mm-hmm. week, oh, only provide these types of resources, but next week have lesson plans and okay, well, if they're not responding, do this. And so it, it was a mess, but mm-hmm. I found that I, I was able to get through most of my stuff in, in a quick way. And then I had all this time the rest of the day. So I started writing. I would get up every morning at 8 a.m. and write. And I found this peace and this excitement to work that had been missing for so many years. And I, again, I would get up willingly every single weekday and write for two, three, four hours at a time and then get to like noon and be like, well, I've done that. Now I'm going to read a book. Wow. You know, I felt very satisfied with the work I was doing enough so that uh, my mind even let me say, okay, it's 12. Like you've done a lot of work. I feel good about the work. Let's, let's enjoy the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. And I have a hard time doing that. I'm type A, I'm a perfectionist. So, you know, if, if you tell a perfectionist, you can stop working after four hours, they're going to look at you and be like, yeah, right. Yeah. I'm going to keep working, but I got, I was so fulfilled by it that I felt to myself like, okay, I've done a good job this morning. I'm going to take some time for myself now, Mm -hmm. which had been so lacking in my life. It it was, it was non-existent. And slowly I felt this happiness that I hadn't felt in a long, long time. And as, as the school year wrapped up, I started to get a little bit of anxiety because I thought, I love this feeling of being at peace with my work. I don't want to lose this, Mm -hmm. but, but I don't know what else to do. I don't have a business I can leap to. I don't have, um, something that I can put stock in. I was at that, around that time I had started seeing a therapist and she really got my eyes open to the fact that I am very, I am alive when I'm doing projects that require my hand. I think Mm. with teaching sometimes you rely so much on what the students do and you're relying on their discipline and how they behave. Mm -hmm. But when you're working on a podcast or a blog or social media, or I'm, I'm a runner, I like to run. These are all things that are dependent on you. And, And now looking back at my whole life, like, yes, that has always been my passion are things that I can throw myself into and, have my own handiwork be the result. But I think you become so identified with these roles you're cast into that you forget, oh yeah, there were these parts of me growing up, but I've since forgotten them because I'm a teacher. That's what I do. I teach. I'm into music. That's what I do. I'm a musician. Well, completely forgetting that at one point I was an athlete. I did sports. At one point I got into computers. I loved computers and technology. My parents 
refused to learn how to, you know, program a VCR. So I was the one in the house that did all that, but I kind of forgot that there were other parts of me because I became so caught up in this image of a music teacher, of a musician, of a performer. And that's very unsettling, I think, because you think, well, okay, if I don't do music, then what, what am I going to do? And then you start having some real self-doubt because you think I kind of have these skills in this area, but I don't have a degree. I don't have a certification. Well, and I think that's where our limiting beliefs come into play, right? Where either, and I love what you're saying too, because it's something that I say when I'm helping people uh, do exactly that and figure out what to do is, you know, why don't you list your accomplishments And when people say, well, what do you mean? I don't have a lot. Well, no, list everything from, you know, the sectional championship you got in high school to, you know, a mountain that you climbed in college physically to whatever, you know, you ran a half marathon. What have you done? Just list all the things that you've done. And it's amazing. And it sounds like that's what you did reflecting back on, oh, wait, I was an athlete. I run, I do this. I am good at that. And this is where I find myself. So what did you ultimately, as you went through this process and your therapist and all of that helped you get together, what did you land on as your next project? There were a couple of moments that are just just so distinct in my head that got me there. One was my therapist. We were going back and forth on a virtual teletherapy call, Mm -hmm. which not my favorite, but that's all that was available. And I kept saying, I don't like on a scale out of nine out of 10 or one out of 10, I do not want to go back to my job. It's a nine. Mm -hmm. Like I'm high up there. And she goes, well, why do you have to go back to your job? And I remember becoming very angry with her because I kept like trying to say to her, I have nothing else to jump to. I can't just jump and do it. I have a family. We rely on my income as well. You know, like that would be a huge earth moving leap. And I can't leap because there's my mom in me. I can't jump to something unless I know it's going to be a safe landing space. Right. Or I can't, I can't switch unless what I'm switching to will equally benefit my family immediately. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, be, you know, that whole being prepared. Yeah. If you're going to make a a big change, then you better have something to back it up thing. But that's where I'm between my, my father and my mother, because my mother would never switch. My father switched all the time. So like, here I am in this position of, I know I want to not be there, but I don't know what to do to make that happen. Mm -hmm. So the second moment, you know, I went through the whole summer and started doing more and more gigs on social media. Mm -hmm. And it kind of started by, by changing over our church service to to a video format. I had been doing some video editing and my husband said, maybe you should look into this as a side Mm part-time freelance thing. You know, if you can pick up a couple gigs, great. And if you can't, not a big deal. Right. Well, that actually turned into, hey, I'm looking for someone to help me with social media. Right. And I'm going, well, I mean, I know a lot about it. I'm not I'm not college educated in terms of marketing, but I happen to know a lot and I think I can help you. And I started to pick up clients slowly last summer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my my first client was uh, this wonderful lady who made cookie kits on Etsy. And she was just the sweetest. And her problem was she had this business that came out of quarantine. Yeah. Didn't have the wherewithal, didn't know how to get onto social media and needed someone to do that while she made her cookies. Mm -hmm. So that was like my first client. And I ended up getting about four or five more clients over the summer. Awesome. And then 
about a week before we have to go back to school, because at that point we are told we're going back in a hybrid system. Mm -hmm. It's going to be every other day, blah, blah, blah. And I picked up Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. Mm. And the very first chapter has stuck with me because it details this cheetah in a zoo and how the cheetah has been trained to follow this, this little Jeep with a toy on it. Mm -hmm. And her point was the cheetah knows something's wrong, but this is the cheat. All the cheetahs known is chasing this little Jeep, but the cheetah should be out in the Savannah running wild. The cheetah should be running 60 miles per hour, but the cheetah runs 30 miles per hour to catch this Jeep. And that's all she knows. And it was at that point that I knew deep seated, I was not happy with my job. And I finally like listened to that voice instead of pushing it down and squashing it saying, no, 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 it's a good salary. It's a good job. You should like it. It's good benefits. It was that moment of, oh my God, yes, I have not felt good about this job for years. Mm -hmm. And I, I just sat there and started writing down all these ideas that came to me about what I could make this company and, and besides social media management, what I can do. And I just had this profound feeling of, I am meant for more. Yeah. I know I'm meant for more. And that, that feeling propelled me into the fall and having conversations with my mother and saying like, look, I'm, I'm thinking of doing something pretty drastic for me. I'm thinking of quitting my job, but I need you to know that I know I'm not meant for this. I know I'm meant for more. Mm-hmm. And I think once I started becoming, letting my passion out for this change, she got on board. I think I at first she was worried, you know, the, the, her, her generation's mentality of you're in a job forever. Yep. And this is, this is your path. This is what you're supposed to absolutely. do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You, you, your salary is consistent. You, you get raises every year. You yep. have benefits, you have insurance. Like, why would you leave this? Yeah. And I think when I kind of started to open, I opened up more to her because I was too afraid to say. I find it interesting that you say that too, because I think for a lot of us, um, our parents who want only want what's best for us and for us to have a, a, a safe but fruitful future often are the ones whose, I guess, approval we seek, even when we're grown adults with families of our own. I mean, I also, mm-hmm. both of my parents are passed away and yet I still worry about what they would think. So isn't that funny? How- <laughs> oh, absolutely. But I will say, like, having, having said that about parental approval, I also started to get to a point of thinking, my mom is like 74. She's a yeah. healthy 74 year old, yeah. but I'm realistic. I know that she's up there. And I, this one thought scared me and ultimately propelled me forward. And that was, I don't want my mother to pass away someday thinking I'm unhappy with what I'm doing. Mm, I want so her to know that I am happy with what I'm doing, that I'm, I am energized by it and that she doesn't have to worry. You know, I think that's that, great. Oh, Because, oh, sorry. I think that's great because I think that um, the other thing that I was going to say is how our parents put that, I don't want to call it fear, but obligation of of this is the path that I think you should follow for quality, for safety, for your, you know, for your career. And then you transitioning from, I need to have her approval to, I've been honest with her. And then the part that you said where she said, you know, this, when you told her I meant for more and she supported you, 
to the point that now you said, okay, now I need her to know that I'm going for more and I'm getting more. And that transition of, of again, fear of what people or important people in our lives would think to, I don't, now I don't want to disappoint her in a different way. I think that's huge. Well, and this was all compounded by the fact that my educational journey, I was, I was kind of set up to take on another job at the end of this year. I was going to be, I was going to be applying for a high school gig, which is what I, people in the district, people, my friends had thought was my career trajectory. Right. Right. And all of a sudden middle of the year, I'm, I'm managing my company. It's going well. And I, it's that, that leap moment of telling the teacher that's leaving, I'm not going to apply for your job. Right. I need you to know this. Cause she, she and I had worked together. Sure. On concerts. No, I get it. I played piano for her and while she was, you know, disappointed, she said, I don't want you living with, with, with regret or guilt, knowing that you took this job because you thought you had to, or because it was what was set up. And again, here's another example of people that were afraid to disappoint surprising us and saying, uh, no, you need to go for whatever it is that you feel drawn to. I love that. So that was my whole experience with with people I thought would react one way. And instead they support you. Completely the opposite. Yep. I've had several people say to me, oh my God, I'm jealous of you. Yep. And that is not what I thought was going to happen. Agreed. Agreed. So Kate, tell us, this is the part that I love. So tell us now (laughs) what you built uh, I know you're having success with it, but but tell us about uh, the business that you've built and and what you do. I have built a company called Hive Mind Management, mm-hmm. and it is a digital marketing company that offers primarily social media management. Yeah, but I also offer website design, podcast production, coaching, and video editing. Love it, and that has all come out of the past year of working with clients and finding new work to be able to say, well, I can offer this now because I've done it. And, you know, a year ago I had never designed a professional website for anybody, but now yeah. I can say I have, because as scary as that was, I, I wanted to challenge myself and I liked the challenge of it. I liked trying something new and picking up a new skill. I love that. And yeah. And it, I've had to throughout the past year with my full-time teaching job. And then I also do music for a church. I've had to manage this company and, you know, simultaneously trying to help it grow without overwhelming myself in the process. Well, and also I think it speaks to, you know, so many people have a degree in something or are trained to be something. And, uh, the world has changed so much. There's so much free instruction, uh, thanks to the internet between YouTube videos and whatever. Then if you need to go further, there is so much online. You don't need to leave your house if you really don't need to. Paid instruction and certifications and processes that you can get. And so those limits of you know geographical limits or um, transportation limits have really gone away. And I really think that's great for people who know they need to make a change but feel that, well, I'm trained to be a blank and I want to be a blank. And they're there, that instruction is there for them if they want to make that change. And so, one thing, one thing I'll say about that is it, it actually comes back from teaching. And when they, when you start teaching and you're a student teacher, they tell you, don't worry, you will always know more than the students. 
Yeah. And if you have a student that knows more than you, learn from them. But right. the, the the point of that was that you know more than you think you know, because mm-hmm. there are going to be people out there that know less. Right. And those are your clients that you want to look for. Yeah, absolutely. So Kate, now that you are where you are, what advice would you give a uh, pre-pandemic unhappy with her job, Kate? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I feel like pre-pandemic Kate, had to go through all the steps that she did to get there. You know, I'm a big believer in that, that, you know, for whatever your religious beliefs are, I, the whole thing about things happening for a reason, Mm -hmm. whether or not that's fate or destiny, it really, it, it boils down to how do you react to the things that are in your life? Yeah. Maybe not so much that this is the the grand design, the bigger thread in the universe, but yeah. Okay. So I've, I'm sad now with my job. What do I do? And even if it took, it took me five, six years to get there, but it ultimately got me there. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would say to pre pandemic Kate in her sweatpants, <laughs> sitting at home on the couch with hot chocolate, um, was that every disappointment, every setback was just fuel for the fire. I love that. that. It, it, it made you better. It made you want things more. And it, it got you to a place where you could take that, that leap of faith. I love that. So even those of us that do make the change or strive for the change, we still have those shoulds that pop in our head that make us second guess. So what would you say is the limiting should that still pops in your, in your mind? Oh, well, there's two. Can I say two? Is yeah. That okay. Please do. Okay. Uh, the one would be in working with clients. I'm finding that that perfectionistic streak pops up now and now again. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have this done by X yeah. because so-and-so will think I'm not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because when it boils down to it, if you think about the people you work with in your life, how often do you think, oh, they're really slacking if they're not done in a day? No, yeah. you never think that. No. You we we are so caught up with what others think that it it almost paralyzes us and what we're able to do for them. And if you just give yourself some grace and say, if I don't get to it today, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? Yep. Not nothing earth shattering can happen in one day. And right. if you're that concerned, reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm a little busy today. Just to let you know, I'm going to get to it the next morning. But mm-hmm. this whole idea of if I'm not on a perfect schedule, they're going to be upset. Yes. And I, I think the other thing, the other should that limited me was I, I should want to do this because if I don't, people will be upset with me. Yes. I love that. And so the positive side of that is that we all have motivating shoulds that, that get our butts in gear and get us moving too. So what motivating should rings in your ears that overrides the ones you just mentioned? I should trust my instinct. I should trust my gut. I've yes. trusted myself with so much over the course of this year with with keeping the, the full-time job, with keeping the church job, with, with maintaining an organization I'm building. Yes. I trust myself in all those areas. Why am I not trusting the inner voice in my head as well? Absolutely. So now my favorite question, because we all have some of this best advice you've ever gotten that rings true to you even today. Oh boy. Uh, th- this, this piece of advice was, was 
in and out of my last week of teaching. Mm -hmm. And I think it also applies to working relationships in general, because now that I'm working with, with individuals, with companies, um, you find that there are different work styles. Right. And, you know, somebody like me, I like to have deadlines. I like to have things done two weeks ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I like to plan, but others are at the moment because they have to be because their their work is timely so may, they might not have the the podcast audio for you up until the day before it publishes but that's their style yeah so i have learned that if i hold this dear to my heart it makes it makes dealing with difficult people sometimes a little easier and that is your lack of preparation is not my emergency yes because i think you can get caught up in the whole you're giving this to me last minute and I want to do a good job on it, but you've given it to me with, with three hours notice and worrying that what you do will be negatively affected yes. by what they've done. And so I've learned to kind of step back and go, no, I need to put my foot down if I feel like they're not holding up their end of the bargain instead of thinking I'm going to do a poor job. Yeah. Like think about the circumstances that got you to this point. It's not just on you. Absolutely. I yeah. love that. So I want to go back and uh, touch on some of the great things that you have said to us in this uh, time that we've had together. My favorite thing that you said more than once is do the thing, that you were the kind of person that would do the thing. And I love that. And we should all just do the thing, whatever it is. Um, another thing that I love that you said was, um, and you didn't say this outright, but you inferred it, which was that transparency and vulnerability, that willingness to say, gosh, I know I need to do something else, but I really don't know what it is, but your willingness to figure it out, um, that you found a way to be the wild cheetah and not the Jeep chasing cheetah. <laughs> um, and that you said, I am meant for more and you knew it. I thought that was fantastic. Also, things happen for a reason. How is it that you are going to react to those things? Because every setback is fuel for the fire. And finally, I should trust my gut and your lack of preparation is not my emergency. I have loved talking to you, Kate. This has been such a great story, and I think it's going to help so many other people who have similar feelings regardless of what uh, career path, walk of life, or complacent state they might be in. I think there are so many little gems that can be taken from this conversation. Um, would you be so kind as to tell people where they can find you if they are intrigued by hive mind management or might want your services. If you're looking for social media management or perhaps another one of my services, video <laughs> editing, coaching, what have you, website design, you can find me at hivemindmanagement.com. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also on several socials, Facebook, hive mind management, uh, Instagram, same thing. Twitter is actually hive mind MGMT because there's a, a letter limit. That's right. And that's I'm right. also on Pinterest. Pinterest as well at Hive Mind Management. And I, I just happened to think as you were talking, the whole my whole business title kind of came out on accident because I was creating a very basic version of the website on Google Sites. And one of the color templates they gave me was yellow, black, and white. Mm. And that day I went, oh, wow, it looks like a bee. Yeah. I'll, I'll kind of go with this bee theme. And then even coming to find out you know, months after I've named it, that the bee, like physically, shouldn't be able to fly. Yes. But they do but because they, do. they beat their wings twice as fast. That's and right. that has really like helped me as I've gone into full time 
digital marketing is that I wasn't necessarily meant to do this, but working harder will get me there. Amen. I love that statement too. Kate, you have brought us so many gems. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. I know that people will probably want to listen to this a couple of times because there were so many little bits of wisdom in here. And I really hope that people um, check out what you are doing and that they take some of the lessons learned from your experiences and apply them to their own lives. Thank you so much for having me. I, I hope that too, just because having been in some of the pits I've been, you know, thinking I, I just couldn't get out of them. I, I hope that this helps other people's journeys uh, kick into high gear faster than mine did. Because right. It took me quite a bit of time to get there, but I'm, I'm very happy to be where I'm at right now. That's right. Slow and steady wins the race. That is for sure. Kate, thanks so much. And we will talk to you again soon. Thank you.